Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. In this HR Chat episode, we welcome Steve Brown back to the show. Steve is the Vice President of HR for La Rossa's Inc., a regional pizzeria restaurant chain in Southwest Ohio with 12 locations and over 1,100 team members. Steve is a member of the Society for Human Resource Management Board of Directors and has held several other national, regional, state and local SHRM volunteer leader roles over the years. Steve facilitates a monthly HR roundtable as well as an HR internet forum called the HR Nets, which reaches over 12,500 people globally each week. I must speak to you later, Steve, about how I can tap into that with the HR Gazette. Uh, he's very active in social media. He's, uh, he's a bit of a celebrity, really. And he has his nationally recognized HR blog, Everyday People, uh, which you can find at sbrown, with an E, hr.com. He has authored a book called HR on Purpose, which looks at human resources from a fresh, positive and intentional perspective. In his book, HR on Purpose, Steve called for HR professionals to take ownership of who they were and what they did in their roles and organizations. And in his new book, HR Rising, he urges pros to take the next step from ownership to leadership. And we're going to be focusing a bit on both of those books today, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hi, Bill. It's great to be back. I really appreciate it. So listeners, the last time I got to chat to Steve was about uh, about a year and a half ago as we record this interview in late July 2020. Uh, that was episode 84 of the HR Chat Show. So I'd encourage you to, to take a listen to that one to, to learn even more about Steve, about his career background, about all the wonderful things he gets involved with at Sherm and at the Rosses and a whole bunch of other things. But today we're gonna we're gonna do a deep dive into all the fantastic learnings from, from Steve's books. Uh, Steve, let's start by um, by recapping lessons from your first book, if you don't mind. What, what, what does it mean to, to you to practice HR on purpose? What, what are you doing to find and create more purpose in, in one's HR role? What I find, Bill, is people could be intentional, but they choose not to be, especially in HR. We tend to want to wait. We're nice. We're good with people, we're friendly, which is all wonderful, but it also tends to make people meek and step into the shadows of the organization. You hear this a lot when you hear people say, I go to HR. If that's not what they say and they're the way they approach you, that means that you're not a part of the company. They'll come to you if and when they need you. To have purpose in HR, I think you say, no, this is what I do. I own this just like Salespeople own sales, marketing owns marketing, finance owns finance, and you're not ashamed of it. You just want to make sure it comes to life. Every organization is chock full of people, and for us to kind of wait for issues and situations to happen only means we're being very reactive. If you do HR on purpose, you're proactive. You're moving the organization forward. You're very intentional in what you do and how you interact with people. I remember the first time you and I interacted uh, I was at the Sherm conference in DC, I think it was, and uh, we're at we're at some uh, uh, something at the end of uh, the 
the second day or something, I think it was. And and Steve came over and 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 Steve's a really big guy and he's got a, he's got a massive presence, but he's just such a positive person, such a happy person. And he came over and just, hey, I'm Steve Brown. And I was like, yeah, I totally know who you are. Uh, that, that that's always that, that that's always stuck in my mind, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So so your new book uh, gives a formula for HR, which is. And I hope I've got this right. People plus processes equal results. You suggest that companies tend to work backwards and go results equal processes. And the cycle continues over and over. And they forget that, that well, they forget the people. How, how are you trying to get companies to understand that when we operate from a people first lens, we, we get better results? Great question. I did this by chance, to be honest. Uh, here at La Rosa's, I've been doing some development work with our general managers. And the reason we started doing that is our general managers run the business. They really do. Many companies think the corporate office runs the business through policies, procedures, vision, strategy. Very important. But wherever your front line is in your organization, that's where work truly happens. And so we were giving people a lot of tools, but not really checking to see if they're using them or not. We just keep issuing them and publishing them. So in this development piece, it was interesting. The people from operations said, so what are you going to do and how's it going to work? I'm more of a thinker than a linear doer type person. I value people who are uh, doer oriented. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm going to use it. Uh, it's this. I want to talk to people. I want to see how they're doing. I want to see how they're feeling. I want to see if they're frustrated. I want to see if they're joyous. So even my general managers, who are also very task-oriented, when they first came to the sessions I was doing, I said, hey, just bring a piece of paper, and we're going to talk. And so when we did, it gave them a chance to breathe and to get out of the day-to-day. -day. When I asked them what we focus on, what messaging they hear from the company, it was 100% results. Numbers, numbers, numbers. What's your food number? What's your labor number? What's your profit margin? What's your gross profit? Profit, all good stuff. However, I asked them, what do they focus on? What takes up most of their day? And they said, oh gosh, people. <laughs> so I said, well, what percentage? And one of the general managers said, well, 80%. And another one laughed. It was fantastic. Laughed out loud. He goes, 80? He says, it's 95%, if anything, 95 or higher. And so I said, okay, so listen, since we focus on results and results are important, and they are, you want to be profit-oriented, you want to have goals, et cetera. You need to have good processes to get results. However, if you don't put the people first, the processes will only continue to yield the results that are already yielding, good or bad. If you have a people focus, you equip them through processes. You just keep, don't keep layering process and process and process which most companies do. If any situation comes up, something new comes out. We need to stop doing that. So listen to your people, nurture them, shepherd them, develop them, equip them through processes and see what results you get. And my whole premise in this theory, Bill, is results are results. They're at the end. You have to do all this good work in front in order to attain results, not just go year over year, here's where we are, there's too many mitigating factors that don't allow that to be really accurate. So I had them do something crazy. And I said, for the next 30 days, I want you to say hi and thank you 
to every team member who comes to work. And I mean it every day, 30 days, every person, every day, whether you like them or not. And they all laugh because if we were honest about it, there are people we struggle with in our organizations. And there are those in our organizations that struggle with us. We don't address that. We just keep complaining about it. I want to get past that. So after a month, half of the 12 did it. (laughs) Uh, The other 12 said, this is silly. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. The first 12 said, It was the best thing they'd ever done because now they recognize the great people that had already been there. And the team members said, gee, my manager's paying attention to me. Their employee relations issues went down. Their productivity went up. They started performing better as as a location. And their results grew because now they were doing something so simple as saying hello and saying thank you for coming into work today. It's going to take a long time to keep doing this because we tend to come from a negative mindset. I wrote about that in both of my books. Uh, People tend to start their day negatively of what's going wrong. And I'd rather turn that around and say, started positively by focusing on the great people you have who want to be there and who want to do a good job and watch what happens. And it's working. Okay, I've got to take issue with one thing you said there, Steve, and uh, that, that, that is, I, I can't imagine anybody's got a problem with you, sir, in the office. You're, you're, you're Steve Brown, you're so gregarious and friendly, right? Come on, come on. I don't I'm, sure, I'm sure there are. <laughs> so, okay, so a, a lot of what you just spoke about there were, it was around um, uh, people's, people's attitudes, people's approaches. Uh, within the HR department to 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 um, the workforce, I'd, I'd love to hear from you now. What what are some of the most important skills, the, the, the tangible skills for HR pros to possess this year? I mean, this is an incredibly difficult year, of course. So perhaps your answer to this would be a little bit different to what it would have been maybe six to twelve months ago. But uh, what, what are those skills for HR pros to possess in, in to transition from ownership to, to leadership? I think there are two key ones. The first one is listening and not be an active listener and all that hoo-ha. Listening is listening to understand and assess, not listening to solve. Everybody's got life going on. You have life going on. I have life going on. So does everybody who's coming to work. During this crisis and the piece with social unrest and all these things, emotions are high and they're very upfront. And people are like, doggone it and they just express themselves very openly which i'm fine with most people who are people managers freak out because we're like why do they keep bringing their emotions to work i said just because you do too (laughs) Uh, and they just want to be heard you can solve so many things at work just by listening to someone you may not have to take any steps whatsoever and i know that sounds utopian But again, I know it works because I'm out in my stores, I'm in my office, and I'm in my manufacturing plant. And people want one thing from people, and that's their time. We tend to think we don't have enough time in our day, and that's a myth. It's how we choose to use our time. So if we invest in you, so if I go, hey, Bill, how's it going? And I stay there and listen to you. That will alleviate so much. Because during this time, one of the things that we're seeing a lot of is the lack of self-care, the lack of emotional well-being that has always been a part of organizations, but now it's very prevalent. And we're seeing people raw. We have to really care for them. The second skill is empathy. 
it should matter that someone's upset. It should matter that someone's joyous. It should matter that someone's frustrated or concerned. Uh, we keep treating empathy as a soft skill, like, oh, it'll be okay. I don't think that's empathy. <laughs> empathy is, I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. How can we take the next steps to either move this forward or to move it differently? If HR leaders would teach executives, people managers, frontline people to be more empathetic with each other, you develop more relationships. If you develop more relationships, then you have that people focus again. And it all comes back to the theory we just talked about. Spending time with people is the most important thing an HR person can do. And now, because things are virtual, uh, they say, well, I don't have time. We're spending more time with people virtually than we ever did when we were inside our four walls. And I think that's fascinating. And the first thing that comes up is, oh, I'm so tired of seeing people. <laughs> I think it's great. Now I can touch every single person and reach them and check in on them. And then the other part of my job is to connect people across departments. So if I know you, I know where you're coming from, I'm empathetic to your situation, I listen to you, I can connect you, and you can perform. All of these things shouldn't be seen as soft, as not valued. They should be integral because those things are what drive people really to do their best work. Would you, would you say it's... Uh... It's more difficult, though, to be to be empathetic, to be truly empathetic at the moment. If if we were working remotely, um, to to be empathetic, I I think part of that perhaps means being able to read a person's expressions and look in their eyes and, and, and you know just get a sense of for, for, get get a sense of the room for one of a better phrase, right? And, yes. and, and we're, we've lost all of that right now. Um, we, and and yeah. of course, so, some people are going through. Uh, a lot harder time than, than others. Perhaps some some people have lost family members. To, to what extent can HR leaders really show empathy, and or should they try and help people um, in a, in a remote fashion? Yes, and I, let me give you an idea of why and how. There's two facets that people either lead with when it comes to HR. They either lead with the people lens or a policy lens. If they lead with a policy lens, because the whole idea is let's frame this and control every single situation, it cannot and will not be empathetic. If I treat Bill for Bill, Steve for Steve, Susie for Susie, it works. It's a lot harder to do HR that way. But companies have always had the ability to allow people to be the individuals that they are. They just choose not to. We tend to think if we have a group mentality, we'll succeed. And it's been proven over and over and over again that you cannot do it because it eliminates diversity, it eliminates equity. All the things that people are complaining about is because they feel they're part of a whole instead of being heard by themselves. And it seems a little backwards. But if you take care of the person individually, for instance, if we're on a MAPS Zoom call, we have this big departmental meeting. And afterwards, I noticed that you were just a little off. You were a little quiet. What's going on? I would take an extra conversation and go, Bill, you seemed a little off today. How's it going? And sit and listen to you. Again, takes a lot more effort, a lot more focus, and a lot more awareness of your people. But that works. Works in spades. And I've also coached leaders who run meetings to say, don't jump into the agenda. 
check on everybody. Take a barometer check. And when people say, I'm fine, I'm great, I'm really good, then listen to how they respond during the meeting and see if that's really true. If it's not, we have mechanisms that says, hey, we need to go check on Kevin. We need to go check on Julie. Because to us, and at least at my company, people matter. And it's not just something we put on the wall. So when it comes remotely, I do one-off conversations all the time, all day, just to make sure people are equipped. They know what they have to do. I answer any questions they have, try and fill any gaps they may have, and try and keep them as healthy as possible. I'd like to get a few examples from you. And if it's not necessarily your company, if it's too sensitive, I know that you you have lots of peers within the world of HR, um, so perhaps they've shared with you. But what are some of those common questions that are being asked of, of HR leaders at the moment? What, what, are, what are the common concerns? I mean, I, I can guess at some. Uh, is my job going to be safe in six months' time? Um, am I going to be looking at having to take a pay cut, an, an hourly cut? When am I going to be able to work back from the office again? Do I have to go back to the office again uh, until there's some sort of uh, cure or some sort of vaccine? From what you've heard or from the conversations you've had with your peers, what, what are those typical questions? You've hit a lot of them. The big thing I'm hearing across the board is people are very unnerved by uncertainty. They're looking for clarity. So they're asking those questions such as, you know, how are sales going? And even if they're not in a function that are typically tied to sales functions or production, they want to know because they're worried about their livelihood and to be able to provide for their family. Uh, Also, uh, here at La Rosa's, we had some people that during the first part of the pandemic, they shut down dining rooms. Well, that affected our servers. And their servers said, what do we do? And so we walked them through how to get unemployment. We didn't fight anything. We're like, here's how you do it. Here's how to get the methods. If you have any questions or any problems, here's what you do. I think many people are cautious. They're cynical and they're fearful. Uh, I, I never thought I'd be arguing about people with masks and face coverings. But every day, I'll have somebody make some side comment of, I don't know why I have to wear this. I'm like, I want you to wear it to keep you safe. It's hard. The other thing I'm hearing from peers is how drained everybody is. It's just like things aren't stopping. You know, uh, people were excited that 2020 came because it's a new decade and, oh, my gosh, we're moving forward. And the entire year has just been brutal. (laughs) (laughs) you know, across the globe. I mean, not just in the States, it's everywhere. Politically, socially, uh, health, it's it's unending. Out of this, though, I see some opportunity. It allows us to value the people and their situation. I have people who are worried about how do I have my kids go to school and still work? We need to figure that out because we're not sure. How do I allow some person to be virtual and another person to be in person? Can we do that? Is that allowed? So there has to be a lot of more agility and the willingness to be nimble. And HR people have been horrible with this, including me. We keep saying how agile we're supposed to be and disruptive, but we really do like stability. (laughs) So my thing is we need to be uncomfortable because that's the environment we're going to be in for Gosh, as far as I can see going forward, 
and be able to pivot and maneuver to help each person for their situation as it comes up. That's that's the that's the thing hanging here, isn't it? We we just don't know when this when this will end. We we don't know when we'll not have to wear face coverings again and all these other right. things. Right. Um, hey, listen. Uh, two more questions for you for today, and then um, I'll most likely beg you to come on and do a third interview with me. I'm sure. Um, but let's just get back to your book. So your new book it, it, it's written to encourage people to lead from from where they are, and you suggest that. You don't need a, a title to be a leader. Do, do you believe that HR pros have a chance to lead, as has been shown during during the pandemic? But they they tend to wait to be asked. If so, why is that? Is, is that a is that a, a personality quirk of your average HR person? What, what, why is that, Steve? I think it's in our nature, and it's a good attribute. It's okay to be asked, and I don't think that people want to intrude upon another. Years ago, Bill was the great argument of seat at the table. And I was on a Twitter chat this last Sunday with the HR social hour. And they said, uh, you know, boy, now that HR has a seat at the table. And I said, there's no longer a seat. We are the table. And what people have learned during the pandemic is that all issues in companies are people issues. First, they just are. And when people say that's not true, listen to how people talk. When they talk about a situation, they say, boy, we can't get material and we're really trying to get everything on. Our supply chain is down. And Bo, you're like, wait a minute, who? Why is there a person tied to it? We tie everything to people as we should. So I don't have to be the chief human resource officer in order to lead. I just have to recognize that all functions within companies are led by people first. So my role is this. If a department has people, it has HR. So help be a resource for them intentionally all the time and go to them. Fight against the urge to sit back and wait. When you sit back and wait, all you're dealing with is awful things. And awful things wind you down. I'm telling you, you know, if everything is putting out fires, it's an awful way to go to work every day. I would rather say I get to go out and be with people all the time. Let's work with this. It's funny, I recently said, if you say, I have to deal with people, get out of HR because you get to work with people. You don't have to deal with them. You get to work with them. We have to change our mentality towards looking at other people. We have lost the sight, Bill, that HR people are people as well. So I encourage people doing things like this, listening to great podcasts like yours, uh, finding the HR Gazette and reading and becoming more engaged be part of a larger HR community so that you have that peer network to help lift you up when you get worn out. If they would do that, then they can lead from where they're at. Yeah, I fully support that, Steve. They, they should definitely check out the HR chat show and uh, the HR Gazette, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so one last question for you for today, and that is for those who haven't heard of you before, I can't believe that there are any, but... For those out there who maybe haven't heard of you before, how can they connect with you? How can they learn more about you? And how can they get a copy of your fantastic new book, HR Rising from Ownership to Leadership? The best way to get hold of me is Twitter, honestly. Uh, I'm on Twitter probably more than I should be. Uh, my handle is at SBrownHR. That's S-B-R-O-W-N-E-H-R. And uh, understand that if you get on there with me, you're going to converse with me, not just talk about yourself. Uh, and LinkedIn, 
a big LinkedIn proponent. Um, but connect with me because you want to, not because I'm a person that's of note, which I don't understand at all. Uh, we're peers, and I want to be, if you're in my field, I want to be a part of you in your network. Uh, you can find my book on Amazon. Uh, you can get HR on Purpose and HR Rising on Amazon. And I don't know if you know this. It's kind of odd to say. Uh, there's also going to be a box set soon where you can buy both books if you don't have the first one and have a little sleeve in it. It's kind of fun. Okay, wonderful. And that just leaves me to say for today, Steve Brown, thank you so much for joining me again on the HR Chat Show. Bill, always a pleasure, man. Glad to talk to you. And listeners, until next time, stay safe and happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette.